Are you looking for the best tips and tricks to run a successful dental practice? You're in the right place. Welcome to Bulletproof Dental Practice, interviewing some of today's most successful dentists with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Craig Spodak, co-host of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast, and I'm really excited because I just finished a podcast with Dr. David Phelps, who is the guy behind the Freedom Founders, a wonderful organization helping dentists achieve retirement easily. Uh, He's also written a great best-selling guide for dentists from high income to high net worth. So it was a wonderful podcast, and I'm reposting here on our podcast, so please enjoy it. I really believe you will. And once again, thank you for listening to both Dr. Bolin and myself. We love doing this. We love giving back to dentistry and make it a great day. Thank you so much. So we have to redefine leadership as it's not this born quality or this hyper charismatic, you know, gregarious figure. It's how you show up in the world. Are you looking out for the best interest of people before yourself? You are listening to the Freedom Blueprint Podcast with your host, Dr. David Phelps. You'll get straightforward advice to transform your practice into a self-sufficient cash machine, compound your net worth, and multiply your cash flow streams with hassle-free real estate. More at freedomfounders.com. Good day, everyone. This is Dr. David Phelps of the Dennis Freedom Blueprint Podcast and Freedom Founders Mastermind Community. Got a great interview, one that I've really been looking forward to for quite some time because this gentleman, I believe, is a giant in our industry. He's a decathlon dentist and I think decathlon owner, decathlon community leader, decathlon husband and parent. So many things that are exciting to read about his resume. Let me just bring him right on. Dr. Craig Spodak, sir, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. It's really good to be here. I appreciate the invitation to attend. Thank you. For people who may not know you, or maybe have heard about you but don't know much, Craig, I'm gonna just I'm gonna give your 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 bio, and it's there's a lot in here, but it's important. I think people really know who you are because we're gonna dig into some of this. So 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 bear with me here because it's 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 all pertinent information. So Craig, excellence in the practice of dental medicine is a proud tradition in the Spodak family. Dr. Craig Spodak is a third-generation dentist who earned his Doctor of Dental Medicine degree from the acclaimed Tufts University, graduating with highest honors. He joined his father, Dr. Miles Spodak, in his practice in Delray Beach, Florida in 1998 with a dream to change the way patients experience dental care. He inherited the company in 2006 and immediately began to develop a new vision for the modern dental practice with a goal to deliver comprehensive dental care to general especially Dennis, 13,000 square foot state-of-the-art LEED gold certified facility. We'll talk about what that is in a moment. His dream was to change the way patients experience dental care, and he worked tirelessly to reinvent the patient perception of just how great a dental appointment could be. All phases of dentistry are performed from a team of nine dentists in 18 operatories and surgical suites. In addition to having an on-site lab with lab technicians and a master ceramist, who provide same-day dentistry. He also provides a strong importance on living out of the company's core values, which enables the team to provide patients with the highest caliber of comprehensive dental care while consistently exceeding expectations. Dr. Craig is a pioneer for eradicating childhood tooth decay and found the All-Star Smiles Foundation with Marlon's All-Star, Star, Marlon's All-Star fielder, Giancarlo Stanton, in 2016. He's also committed to helping other dentists uncover costly fees they're paying for their 401k plans, was recently featured in Tony Robbins' new book, Unshakable, Your Financial Freedom Playbook. 
As the brand ambassador, he is introducing the world to a next generation 401k plan. Also something very interesting because we both, we both believe a lot in the same financial philosophies. Dr. Craig has also committed himself to expanding his own professional skills and has garnered various advanced credentials, including becoming a top 1% provider of Invisalign. He also lectures nationally about the benefits of his T-straightening method. Beyond his professional interests, Dr. Craig is very active in the Delray Beach community and currently serves on the board of directors for the All-Star Smiles Foundation that he co-founded with Marlon's All-Star filler, Giancarlo Stanton. As president of the Pro Dentist Network, on the board of directors for Aid to Victims of Domestic Abuse, has served as chairman of the Delray Beach Planning and Zoning Board, is a national lecturer for creating team culture in business, is a fitness and motorsports enthusiast, a champion of ecological responsibility, an accomplished private plane pilot, and is conversant in five languages. Craig, you're wearing me out here, man. Oh, my God, bro. I got I to gotta, I gotta chill that one out. I didn't really, it's man, all true, but I... I'm, I, you're blowing me away here. He was also featured on the February 2017 cover of the, of the Progressive Dentist Magazine, which I, I, I have a copy of that, was named the 2012 Business Person of the Year by the Delray Beach Chamber of Commerce, along with his lovely wife, Zaisha. He lives in Delray Beach, Florida, with their two children, Sage and Gavin. I think that's all I can do, folks. I think that's a wrap today. We're going to have to call this one quits. <laughs> you you took, it, took it out of me. Craig, serious, seriously, you are an all-star, my friend, and, and, and I, know, I know you don't need to be pumped up here. That's not why you came on. You're a very humble man. You give tremendously in so many ways. We want to dig into the how you do this, but let's, let's go back to the start. Uh, Third-generation dentist, you came in to practice with your father when you graduated from Tufts in 1998, eight more years practicing with your father. You took the practice over in 2006. All right, so, so third-generation dentist, and now you've got some vision about changing Patient's perception, changing the experience. Take us back to 2000, well, 1998 to 2006. That was before you built out the current facility. You and your dad, any other dentist at that point? When did you start building out this vision? When did the inspiration hit for you to, to do something different? So basically, I, I graduated school in 1998, worked directly for my father. And 1998 to 2006 were really good economic years in Florida. We had the dot-com boom, and then we had a real estate boom. So money was flowing, and the S&P was rising. We all know that the dental industry follows S&P. It's a lagging indicator, but if the economy's booming, dentistry's pretty much booming. So those are good years, and the practice wasn't really doing much better year after year. In fact, we were quite stagnant. And I really didn't have too much freedom to express what I wanted to create in the practice. So I was single at the time. I became a pilot. I was having fun. I was kind of working to live and not living to work. And in 2005, I actually met the girl that became my wife. It's my wife now. And I never really thought too hard and long about my future until I met her. And then when I met her, I said, geez, dad, I'm not going to make enough money to support a family on what, what my hygienist is making right now. So I wasn't really doing too well. So my dad, after much deliberation in 2006, finally handed me over the keys. He basically said, listen, Craig, I'm out of here in a couple of years. I'm going to be done. I, I don't want to work anymore. So why don't you just pay me some egregiously high percentage of my production? Because I'm only going to work for like, you know, two or three more years. So you can afford to do it. I'm like, oh, that sounds good. Right. We do it. Hands me the keys. We have the biggest collapse in the financial market ever right at that time. But it was really a blessing that I took over the ownership of it because we started implementing ideas right away. My vision was always dentistry is what, $150 billion industry. Am I saying that right, Dave? about that. I think it's got to be it's got to be close to that Craig if that's not the right number, yeah. So, you know, when you think about how it's practiced, it's a cottage industry and most of it's practiced in small strip malls and it doesn't really have what I consider to be the practice that is commensurate with the scope and art and legacy of what dentistry could be. 
So my dream was, you know, I, I started watching retail and, you know, obviously coffee and McDonald's were, were not, not something I grew up, you know, or really aspired to be at one point. But looking at how start the Starbucks story and how it shaped consumer behavior and shaped retail behavior and dentistry, as my buddy Fred Joy likes to say, it's not healthcare, it's retail. So if we're taking cues from our retail compatriots, they started investing significantly in the experience of their product and service, not just the result of what, you know, not just the product or service. So I took cues from that. I dreamt to just reinvent what a dental experience could be. I, I longed to, to create what I had at Tufts in school where all my specialists were under one roof and we had that academic feel and we're learning from each other. And I wanted the very best technology that was out there. And I knew that I needed more people to share and use economies of scale so that I could afford to have Combeam and Sarek and all the bells and whistles that I thought were the best thing for patients. So it was really brought of a desire to create something exceptional for patients. It was all from a desire to add more value to patients than anybody else. And I considered the fact that I may make less money doing it in this fashion. But I said, even if I make less money, I'll rather express myself this way. So it was really born of providing the most amount of value to the patient. That's what I wanted to create for dentistry. And that's what I did. And it was a rocky endeavor. I had no idea of the odds that were stacked against me. And I was very naive and overconfident. And there were the banks that came to tell me that it was not a sound idea. And most banks rejected me. And I finally convinced one to do it and to go into more. But the rest is history. So with the banks, you had the, so as soon as your dad gave you the keys, we, yeah, 2006. So virtually soon after that, we had the, the downturn financial crash, 2008. And, you know, we know that we know that story. So what year were you going to the banks and, and trying to make this vision come become reality for you? What, what year was that? So 2006, I took over the practice. We were doing $800,000 in combined revenue. That was dad and I, two full-time dentists and two or three hygienists and maybe five employees, not really knocking out of the park. I slowly started adding associates and there was really no rhyme or reason. I was just trying to grow and and any, you know, growth was my main thing. I just wanted to grow because I recognized to build a multi-specialty facility, the feeder base was the dentist, the general dentist. So I knew I had to have a certain requisite size in order to keep all the specialists busy. So it wasn't growth for the sake of growth. It was growth very strategically to provide that multi-specialty facility. So I ran the practice from 2006 Till 2011, grew the practice from 800 to about 5.3 million in gross revenue during that time by hitting specialists, expending hours, building out more space where I was. And I went to the banks in 2011. I bought the land. It was a really bad economic time here. No one wanted to buy anything. And a matter of fact, the land I currently built the building on, I had offered the guy like a million and two for the building. And he told me to go fly a kite. And I kind of forgot about it. And I saw an advertise for 800 grand. I offered him 500. He took it. So thank God he rejected my first offer. Right. So I bought that. But planning it was 2012. And that was a dark time for dentistry. And now there's tons of banks, the same banks that rejected me, send me flyers for 110% financing. That's when I went to the banks in 2012 there, 2011. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, every, everything cycles and it depends on, you know, where, where you catch that, the wave in the cycle, are you catching the wave? Are you in the trough? And, and you can make, make inroads in both places, right? I mean, I mean, you, 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 there's, there's strategies to use when you're in an economic downturn because you took it, you, in a way, you took advantage of that. I'm mean, kind of fortunate, but you said the guy turned down your first offer, but later in the downturn, the trough, you made a good purchase there. So that timing worked out well for, well for you. 
oftentimes adversity leads to to the biggest wins I think that we have if we'll ride those through, right? I mean, if you if you ride through, if you if you if you stay focused, it's not easy. It's not fun at times, and there's gonna be a lot of sleepless nights going through some of this. But your perseverance obviously obviously paid off. So, yeah, it was it was a little sleepless for quite a while, and you know I, I don't want to. Pardon me, paint the picture that everything's, you know, just roses and sunshine. It's, you know, there's no mythical place you arrive at in your journey. There's new challenges and challenges that arise that just change over time. So I think, but happiness is in the solving of problems. I think you just trade out the quality of your problems. So, you know, I had bad quality problems before, like, holy crap, how am I going to go from 5000 a month in rent to a $38,000 mortgage payment? And now it's just like, how do I innovate? How do I keep my specialist busy? Is LANAP a good thing for me to do? Things like right. that. So definitely still challenges, but better quality problems now than before. Well, you're obviously very visionary and, and that, that had to have been built in you from, from, from birth. I think, so, I mean, part of that's part of your DNA. As you said, before you got married and, and realized that you had some responsibilities, you know, you were, you were doing what I think every, every young person, you're living some life, right? I mean, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. I'm living some life, but all of a sudden the switch flip for you, you said, okay, I got to get serious here because I've got some, my wife, I'm going to have a family. I got to get serious here. So the visionary is there in you. What about the, the business principles? When, when did you start diving into those or, did, or had you already been studying those or when did you get serious about, okay, I got to look at this as a business. You started studying Starbucks, McDonald's. You started studying a lot of people. I know you that you, you read a lot. When did that start? Or was that always part of, part of your, 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 your regimen? It's hard to tell. I, I, I always remember, you know, I went to a very challenging high school. I went to a, one of the top 10 best high schools in the country. It's Pinecrest School here in Fort Lauderdale. And I think I got a real good, you know, just a good background on education, how to study, what to study. I just remember having really good study habits and, and recognizing that there was a need to have to read, you know, books of business nature on my own because I wasn't getting the inspiration that I really seeked in the dentistry space. So I think there's, a, there's an issue with most dentists. We, we tend to think that if you're not in dentistry, you just don't understand what we're dealing with. And I think there's just more commonality to dentistry, to other businesses than, than less. So I'll go on chat rooms. I know you're very active on chat rooms as well. And people are like, well, that guy doesn't deal with dentists. And I'm like, well, that's great because that's where innovation comes right. from. And it, so I, I just started reading books. I read Tony Shea's Delivering Happiness, The Story Behind Zappos, Good to Great by Jim Collins. And I just found so many parallels in dentistry. And I don't want to paint myself as a non-wet fingered dentist because I want to lose my street cred because I see patients every day in the operatories today. I'm just taking a break talking to you, but you can do it all. I think people in dentistry tend to paint with broad brush strokes. Oh, he's a business guy. Or some people will say like, oh, that guy has 10 operatories. That's, that's like Target. So, all right, well, I have 18 operatories. What does that mean? He's like, well, then you're Costco. Well, is that true? I mean, am I really Costco? I don't think I'm... I'm Costco, but I think there's room in dentistry to express yourself no matter what you want to do. If you want to have two operatories and, and you and a hygienist that answers the phone, that's cool too. If you want to open up a practice like mine, I think it's, it's all an individualized expression of what you want to manifest and create. So I think there's space for all of us in dentistry, but that recognition of growing something big and leading a big team, I really wanted to be surrounded by a lot of team members because I knew that would be a real challenge. I said, who am I going to have to be in order to lead, you know, 30, 40, 50 people? Because it gets hard. You can lead two or three. It's pretty darn easy. But having 50 people that all require your leadership forces you to become a more dynamic leader, which in turn, I think has made me a better friend, a better parent, a better husband to my wife. I don't mind being in the pressure cooker. I, I like to grow in life. 
Well, let's let's focus on that for a minute because I, I think that is the um, the really the core to everything in, in life, Craig. You just said leadership, and, and there's you know, tons of people speak on it. There's great books out there. Yet, I think that most people, and I'll, I'll, I'll include myself, when I was younger. You know, I was all about mechanics. I was all about, you know, tactics, strategies, uh, you know, improving my clinical skills and, and, and just being faster than what I did. I did not pay much attention at all to leadership. I thought, well, I am who I am. I'm a good guy. I'm, I, I have uh, ethics. I have integrity. Isn't that enough? That's no. not enough, is it? That's not it's enough. It's not. And, and no. so, so if I ask you this, Craig, leadership, is that something that's inherently born and bred into somebody or is that something that can be learned and acquired? So I think when we talk about leadership, it's important to point out that there is this connotation of leadership that people have this idea that it's, you know, some tall, charismatic person that's out in front waving the sword and like, come follow me. And he's really gregarious and all that stuff. But there's, there's many forms of leadership. And I was just lucky enough to be meeting with Simon Sinek and he had a great example. He said, Leadership, everything is really leadership. Like when the elevator doors are closing and someone's running, charging towards the elevator, and instead of pushing the open button, you kind of shrug your shoulders and say like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, figuratively, or you stick your hand in the doors and let them open back up. That's leadership. So we, we have to redefine leadership as it's not this born quality or this hyper charismatic, you know, gregarious figure. It's, it's how you show up in the world are you looking out for the best interest of people be, before yourself? That's leadership. Are, do you care about others more than yourself? Are you, are you putting their interests first? That's the, the, the most pure form of leadership to me. And sometimes having the big personality and being gregarious works to your disservice. Mm-hmm. The best, I think there's a lot of examples in dentistry. Dentists tend to be introverted which I think can serve really well in their leadership capacity. There are fewer words and more action and they're inspiring by their actions, not their words. So you don't have to stand up in your morning huddle and say, follow me into battle, like burn the ships and be like a Spartan. You can actually just be a baseliner that comes in every day that looks after his people that, you know, when the hurricane hits, you say, you know what, the office isn't doing well, but I'm going to reach it in my own pocket and pay you all. Or, you know, I'm going to look at, you know, Sally has to have a um, mastectomy. Anybody who raises money, I'm going to double it. It's about putting other people's needs first. And I think now more than ever, we are in leadership crisis globally and locally. And what people most need, what, what millennials need, what everybody truly needs is someone to say, I believe in you. And there's nothing that you can break that I can't fix. And I got your back and I'm here to support you. We all need that. And that's just huge because there's sound ROI principles to that level of leadership, to actually putting people's needs, helping people feel safe and supported will actually make them much better, much more efficient, much more productive. So even though it feels good and it'll create lots of fulfillment for you, it is actually sound business as well. It's not just woo-woo crap. Yeah, people put a lot of focus, which which there needs to be on management, management, which is dealing with processes and systems and automation. But leadership is really empowering other leaders, right? And, and, and for you to be able to do what you do, to build, to build a facility, to have all the people that you are, as you said, res- responsible for, but also you have to empower them, to give you the time to do what you do, to be a community leader, to have time for your family, to have time for your own hobbies, your own fitness. You've got to be empowering people. Yes, you've got to be a leader, but I think Simon Sinek says it well. He says, you know, leaders eat last, right? Yeah. So, so, so that's what we have to do as good leaders, but we're still empowering other people. How does that work on your team? Because you are managing, well, you're leading, let's, let's use the word, you're leading a large group of people. You brought together dentists and support staff 
to support you know all of the specialties in dentistry under one roof. Gosh, aren't there aren't there some egos there? I mean, I oh mean, my god, huge. How, I mean, that, that's that's what I that's what I think. You know, I, that's what I see. And, and yet you you and you you rise to the occasion every day. And I know it's not simple. I know it's not easy. If someone's looking at that and say, "Gosh, Craig Spodak, you know, has grown this this big multifactorial facility, giving all things all people." What, what does someone have to know before they're going to jump into that? What, what should they really know about that, Craig? Well, that's a really good question. So thanks for asking it. So one thing that Chuck Blakeman, because I lecture with Chuck Blakeman, Chuck, Chuck Blakeman likes to say stuff needs to be managed. People need to be led. People yeah. can't be managed. This idea that you're going to manage people by process and stuff like that, that's, that just cuts off their humanity. But one thing, one thing that I would say, like I, I hear a lot of people will call me and say, Hey, I want to do what you're doing. So can I pick your brain? Can you help me do what I want, what you did? I'm like, well, what is it about what I did that you want? Well, I want the idea that I don't have to work per se. Like I don't have to work and I have people making money for me and they want maybe they, they, they perceive that there's more money and more profitability and more time. I was, I had more time and more profit at certain points in my career that were not as large as this. I, I feel like if anything, you have to want it for the right reasons. I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. And thanks for mentioning, he put me in his book, which is pretty yeah. cool. Great. Tony has this beautiful thing. He talks about the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. And it's beautiful because achievement is scientific and we're scientists as dentists. So we can very easily say, if I just do this and do that and hire an associate and then I'll get that. We know how to build that level of achievement, but fulfillment is what we're all seeking. We, we, we as Americans, we're, we're trapped into this idea that a little bit more money, a little bit bigger mortgage, that boat, man, maybe a big, bigger house now, a little bit more, and that's going to be great. And I think that many dentists are looking at me saying, I just want what you have because then it will give me extra money and then that money will give me fulfillment. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's the art of fulfillment is doing what you want, when you want, and how much you want to do it. I can't not be at work right now. I have to be here today, but there's no other place I want to be. So oftentimes, and it's not like that every day, I gotta, you know, it's not all roses and, and sunshine, but there's days where I don't have to see patients and I'll tell my wife, Hey, I'll meet you for lunch. Cause I'm going to get her work at 12 and it's 12 o'clock. I'm like, you know, what? I'll just stay another hour. Cause I'm like, I like it. I love my people. I love being with people. I love the energy around it. And, and I just get fulfillment from my job. So it's not a process to set me free. It's actually expresses my identity, allows me to express myself. So I built the building and the people, and I surround myself with people that express who I am and I love them and I want to be around them. So it's actually like being around 50 friends. If I don't find them friends, then I don't want them here. If they're kind of negative people or they're, they're, they feel like it's just a job and they don't have any fulfillment, I don't really want them here. So to answer that question, find out what it is that's going to make you fulfilled. I have a very well-known dentist. He, he lectures all around the world. He says, I want to pick, pick your brain. I said, well, what's up? He's like, I want to kind of build what you built. I said, why? He says, right. well, that, that, that's interesting. Well, what do you mean? Why? I want to sell it. I was like, okay, for how much? He's like, well, a lot of money. Okay, then what? Well, I'll be on a boat and I'll drink champagne. For how long? Never really thought about that. I mean, how long can you sit in a boat and drink champagne? I mean, Two weeks, three, three months, I don't know. But this idea that you're done and then you can just check out and you'll be fulfilled, I mean, that doesn't work. That's that's been shown that you can golf yourself to death. You can retirement is not this mythical place. I'm sure you're in a position where you don't have to do what you're doing right now, but you want to give back and you wanna 
you want to leave a legacy and, and produce. And I think that's what I get to do every day. So I'm very conscious about the gifts I get to give and receive on a daily basis. And I feel blessed that I get to do it. I have to do it. So, but I, but I've made myself think that I get to do it. I've changed my have to, to get to's. Yeah. Significance is what we all really aspire to achieve in our life and, and that legacy that, you know, the succession, what, you know, what we leave behind, what good works, what, what, what are we building behind? But what, when you're coming out of school, Craig, and you've got a quarter of a million dollars or more of debt, it's not about at that moment, it's not about significance or legacy. It's about survival mode, right? And your why at that point is I just got to put food on the table. And if I've got a young family and I'm coming out of school with all this debt, I just got to get in there. I just got to make some money. And then, and then the thought is, is you said, well, this, this time will pass. And so I'm going to make a lot of money so I can then you know, live my dream life. As you said, you know, go drink champagne on a boat. What people think there's this, this, this golden life, you know, after you do the work, they don't understand that you can do, you should be doing both at the same time. And there is no such thing as retirement, should be no such thing as retirement in the vocabulary. So what, what do we tell? I'm speaking to you, you know, together here. What message do we, we give to our, our young docs who you know, went into dentistry with some kind of vision of what it was going to be like? And I don't know how they're coming out of school today, but I think that vision's been changed somewhat because of the debt, of the opportunities. What, what, you're lecturing a lot. What are, what are you telling them? How are you, how are you helping them see the world for what it can be and not what they're seeing with their limited viewpoint at this, point, at this time in their life? So the survival idea is really just a mental construct. You, you're going to survive even if you default on your debt. So you're making, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. I, I, I hear the 500 grand. I was on a Facebook chat that you and I are both on. And someone said, hey, I'm going to be out of, out of school. It's going to cost me $550,000 worth of debt. Should I do it? I think you were on that chat. Yeah. And I said, absolutely. I mean, only if it, he's like, I've wanted it. I'm like, well, what do you want to do it? I've always wanted to be a dentist. I've, I've wanted to do it my whole life. It's exactly what I want to do regardless of the money. I just can't justify spending that much money. And I wrote back, I said, you know, listen, ROI is not the only metric. I mean, marriage is not a good ROI. Kids are not a good ROI. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I, I have young kids. But you, have, you have kids. Have they given back all the money you've spent and then some? Has your marriage provided a positive ROI? You know, and, I mean, some people have had five marriages. Right. So, so I think, yes, money is, money is very important. This guy is not going to go broke. I don't know too many dentists that go broke. If anything, dentists are poor savers. We're, we spend too much. I don't think we, we go out of business. We just are used to every year, and I'm guilty of it as well. Every year you make a little bit more money. So, you know, maybe every year you make 7 or 8% more. So you spend 11, 12% more and you get stuck behind that. If dentistry is what you want and that's your passion, I say absolutely go for it. Absolutely go for it. The debt and the survival is a state of mind. We're all just surviving temporarily on this time. We're all going to die. It may be today or tomorrow or God willing 50 years from now, but we're all just buying time. So live the life you want to live. Don't worry about the ROI. If it's what you want to do and you're fueled by it, you will be excellent at it. If you don't want to do it, you're saying, I just want an ROI, then don't do it. There are better uses of your money. You teach about that. Mm-hmm. But there's, I, I want to do this. You know, my, I, don't, I, I think it would be nice to have more free time, but I don't want an entirely passive life. I would feel lost. You know, I, when I couldn't work for my father and my dad only opened the practice four days a week and he wouldn't let me use any of my entrepreneurial ideas, I became a pilot. So I was up all night toiling over instrument flight plans and doing big flights. And so I, I induced, I curated a certain amount of problems in my life because I couldn't have problems in my practice life. We had no patients. We weren't doing squat. 
So half the day, I'd like to sit there, you know, this is before the internet in many ways. So I'd get home and say, let me express myself. Let me get some good problems. How do I fly a plane, a single engine Cessna from here to New York? That's stressful. So I think, you know, certain people, and I'm one of those people, if you don't give me challenges, I'll make challenges. So it's better to give me healthy challenges than, you know, than, than make something fictitious. I might as well do work for good than do work for busyness. Yeah, well said, well said. Craig, healthcare across the board is, is changing, has been changing dramatically in our country. Dentistry, no exception. We, we know what the, quote, issues are out there. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to put you in a box here, but, you know, I, I know Delray Beach. It's an area of, of affluence. And I'm not saying people need to try to do what you want to do. As you said earlier, you've got to have the right vision, right inspiration to do something. But what, what about managed care that seems to have just, you know, in the last several decades has just taken root and you know, we're in the same, same forums and, and people are just getting beat down by that. Is that something that's rank and file across the nation? If you're not in Delray Beach or a place of high affluence, you know, do you need to be participating and, and how, how do you deal with that? Good question. So let me start by saying this. I, I did a lecture out in Southwest Florida about two years ago. I was speaking for Invisalign at the time. And on my drive in, I drove because it wasn't that far. I passed by a whole bunch of you know stores and things like that. And I got to the lecture and someone said the very same thing. They said, hey, you practice in Delray Beach. This is, I don't remember what town, town it was, like Bradenton or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember exactly. I'm just making that up. But I, we practice here and they don't accept Invisalign here. And I said, okay, you know, as a female dentist, I'm like, well, how far away from this Ramada, we were speaking in a Ramada or something like that, do you practice? Oh, really close, about a mile that way. I'm like, that way or that way? She goes, yeah, to the right. I was like, okay, well, on my drive over, I just passed by a Mercedes-Benz dealership about, she's like, oh yeah, that's like within maybe a quarter mile of me. I said, well, don't you think that Mercedes-Benz does demographic research to show that there's an economy here that could support buying a luxury item like that. And she says, well, yeah, that, that's an interesting factor. So the, fir- the reason why I want to bring that up is because maybe you do live in an area that doesn't have a Mercedes-Benz dealership for 500 miles, but you can never exceed the expectations that you place on yourself. So if your belief system is that this sucks, it's a, it's a, this world that we live in is, is collapsing and managed care is taking over and there's no space for a fee-for-service practice. Guess what? You're right. I mean, Roger Bannister with the four-minute mile, it was physically impossible to run the four-minute mile until he did it. Right. So Delray Beach is an affluent area. We're surrounded by affluent areas, so I lose a little bit of my street cred in saying that. But it can be done. Maybe, you know, you could outperform and outdeliver and outmaneuver the competition. You could outserve your people. I mean, people are willing to pay a premium if you're willing to give them premium value. If you were willing to say to every new patient before they came in, personally call them, which would take you maybe five or 10 minutes a day to say that, hey, Mrs. Jones, this is Dr. Spodek. I want to welcome you personally to the practice. You know, our patients are family to me. And I just want to take this time to just discuss anything you may want from me as your dentist. And oh, by the way, here's my cell phone. And I just want to make sure that we don't have just a transactional relationship, but a lifetime relationship, because that's what I value. You'll be the busiest guy in the block. It's people are unwilling to do that. It's the who moved my cheese thing. It used to be you could hang up your shingle and patients would flood in. Now people are like, oh, do you have Saturdays? Oh, can, you, can I do an evening? Do you have Sarek? So people are demanding more. 
And if we're not willing to be obsessed with adding more value, we want to commoditize the patient. They're going to commoditize you. So many times I ask people around town, who's your dentist? I don't know, but he's right by the Chipotle. Yeah. That guy is, is a commodity. If you're not remarkable, don't be upset that your patients treat you as a commodity, but we are the ones that dictate that Starbucks sold coffee that cost three and $4 back when coffee cost 50 cents. They changed the game and and Starbucks actually changed the game for dentistry too. Cause it all of a sudden went from, you know, a low end retail establishment to this really luxurious place where you can hang out. They actually know your name and you know, you could buy a Michael Buble CD at the same time. Starbucks really made people different. People are just different now. They're upset. Like, you know, when, when you used to get kicked off a flight, it, it didn't really matter. Now it's viral. United airlines beat me up. So people are looking for experience, not just the service, not just the actual thing. They're calling your office. They're saying they want a filling but they really want a relationship. They want to feel loved, valued, and cared about. So if you're just saying, I gave you the filling, ma'am, like what's your problem? They don't want just that. They want you to love them. They want to love you and you love them. I know it sounds real woo-woo, but that's, that's the way people are going to survive in this economy is add more value than anybody else. And you don't have to be on those plans. You may have to at a certain point to seed the initial flow of patients, but it's a spigot. It can turn off no matter where you are. You can, you can adapt and evolve to be so remarkable that people are willing to do that. Craig, what's the best advice you could give to, to young dentists who don't, have, don't own, currently own their own practice? They're coming out with some amount of school debt. The best way for them to, to, to learn and get a fast track, what, what, what should they look for? So I'm talking about some type of an associate position. What, what should they look for in, in making those first few years really count? Is it, we talked about not making it all about the money, that you will survive but many will look at the money. Is that the best choice or are there better alternatives where, where to seek the best place to get your, 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 your hands wet and really see the bigger picture of dentistry? Well, I think the first thing is success leaves clues. So model people who are successful. And now we have more access to that than ever before. I would read books. I would learn from everybody. Even people doing it wrong can teach you about it. Learning what not to do is just as valuable as learning what to do. So if you're in an associateship and it's going really poorly, it's really good for you because you've learned what not to do. I don't like it the way this doctor does that or this doctor does. So so people always think that the only value is moving ahead. But I think learning what went wrong is really important. So seek it, be active in it. No one's going to bring the hustle for you. You got to bring it yourself. You got to be very intentional about what you want to create. Never be a victim of circumstance or feel victimized. Always take the power. You are resourceful. You can actually manifest great things. I'm not talking about like, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. You can actually change your circumstances. If you want to make something happen, you got to work for it. And things may not fall into your lap exactly how you want but you'll see over time that everything that doesn't go your way actually opens up another door. So I do believe in that positivity and I do believe that you can create your own success, your own luck in many ways. Things don't go all well for me. I've got a lot of different challenges in the business. I lose specialists that tell me they're going to be here for a lifetime. I've had specialists literally tell me like, this is a marriage, buddy. You and me are getting married. This is it. And two years later, like, Hey bro, I'm off. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? You gave me your word. So it, it's, it's, it's challenging, but I'm thankful for my challenges. I don't resent them because they, allow, they, they make me dig deeper. And really what I want to be in this life is happy. And as we talked about earlier, happiness is the process of solving problems. So don't resent your problems. Don't be crushed by them. 
don't be crushed by it. You know, we, we kick our own butts more than anything else. Anything that happens, we just kick our own butts. And if you're stuck in the space of survival and how's it going to happen, what type of message are you sending your team? You know, you're like, I don't know how we're going to pull it off. I mean, think, we just came through a hurricane right now. I got my butt kicked financially. I'm paying the team. And I told them this is not the right time for us to be doing this profits a little down, but I want to invest in you because this is our family and you are there and they're in the good times and this is a bad time. And I'm going to pay you guys for the time that you're out. And that, that leadership is what makes people believe in you builds the engagement and long-term trust that is required to build the business. And they don't do it for ROI, do it because it's good for my soul and it nourishes me to do so, but there is ROI behind it. So when you do something nice for people, it, I do believe it nourishes them and, and fosters goodwill and that goodwill turns into money. That's future money for us. Craig, you've got a podcast, Bulletproof Dental Practice. You've got a lot of great content on there. I, I've, I flipped through it. I listened to some of them. Where else, where else can people find you, follow you, contact uh, you? What, 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 would you? what would you give there? Like you, I, I'm pretty much an open book. So my Facebook page, like your Facebook page, is always about sharing. I've kind of collapsed the different parts of my life, business, family, personal. It's just all, it's all, it's all a blank slate because invariably in helping anybody else, I, I'm helped in the process. And I don't believe that learning is a one-way street. I'm constantly learning. The Bulletproof Dental Practice podcast is fun. I want to have you on that. Hopefully you'll join us. I want to learn more about Freedom Founders. I'm very interested in that. And then also I lecture with Chuck Blakeman. That's the Get Off the Treadmill Summit. That's G-O-T-T summit.com. We do that a couple of times a year. Chuck's awesome. I know he's a friend of yours and yes. your messages are very coincident, which is great. And just, yeah, Facebook or Instagram, hook, hit, hit me up, Craig Spodak on either one. I'm always an open book. I'm always willing to help. I, I don't do consulting, but I'm able to help you if you have a simple question or I'm always willing to help. I love our profession and I want to help in any way possible. I want to give back. Well, you're, you're doing that in many, many ways. And I want to thank you, number one, for just taking your time out today to spread your message, give encouragement, inspiration to others. There's people that are hurting. And I think a, bit, a big change of environment in terms of who people surround themselves with and the, the media, the information they consume plays a big part in what you just talked about in, in, in the way you see the world. And you're either a victim or a victor. Circumstances will always change for all of us in many different ways. But it's how we think about that. And and, and how, how we choose to live our lives that's so important. You're one of those stand-up people, and I just I want to thank you again for all that you do, not just today, but 24-7. Well, I want to thank you for the same. I watch all your stuff, and the minute I heard you and, and, and got to know you through social media, I'm like, I like this guy. This is a guy that inspires me. Your, 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 your talks, your, your way of being is nourishing. It, it gives people faith and inspiration, which is what people need. All of us need that. You need it. I need it. We're all human and we need that level of inspiration. There's a lot of negativity, as you said, and that just brings it down and makes it harder. It's like going through, running through quicksand. You don't have to do that. Yep, absolutely. All right, Dr. Craig Spodak, thank you so much, sir. It's been a, been a pleasure. been a lot of fun. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to Bulletproof Dental Practice with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. Online at bulletproofdentalpractice.com. We'll catch you next time.